Welcome to Employee of the Month. Here's your host, Katie Lazarus. Welcome to another episode of Employee of the Month. I'm your host, Katie Lazarus. And in this episode, I sat down with Anya Kamenetz. She's a phenomenal journalist. She's currently at Fast Company, and she writes about education and social issues. Education is a social issue, so one of the social issues she writes about is education. Can you tell now why I left my PhD? Because I really have trouble with sentences that require ellipses and semicolons. I hope you enjoy our interview. It took place at UCB Theater. It was a real treat to have on Anya Kamenetz. Without further ado, five. Four, three, two, and one. We are going to bring out our, our first guest. I'm kind of excited. She was named by Huffington Post a game changer in education. She wrote Generation Debt, and I consider her like the Nicholas Kristoff of my uh, generation um, because she cares about economics and education, but also seems to put her uh, mind where her writing is and, and seems to get really involved in um, great projects. So we can um, bring out Ms. Anya Kamenetz. Cartoonist. I don't know if I name dropped that before about the New Yorker. Um, is this is this true for you? Amazon has the. It's a picture of angels and uh, God. A picture of angel with God, and God looks really upset. The difficulties of being a modern writer, and he says, "Are you kidding me?" Amazon has the Bible at number one hundred twenty-seven thousand forty-four in books. Come on, it's all for you. That's embarrassing. Is this true? Does it's, this ring it's true? It's hitting really hard. It is yeah. hitting close to home. Yeah. Good. Well, you'll get to take this home with you, and you can put it over your desk. Really? Thank you very much. Thank we can you. put the lights up, and let's uh, let's sit down and talk. Okay. Let's let's get this talking going. Talking about my this is called transition. Because we get around talking about my generation. This is what you do when you're talking to an economics expert. <laughs> I can't understand. You didn't want to join in in that. We really are going to be waiting here for a while. And stretch. And yoga exercises. Please come sit down. That wasn't uncomfortable, right? <laughs> Is that usually how it goes when you're on WNYC with Brian Lair? Yeah, Brian Lair's, he's got a limbo bar, actually, in, he has the, a limbo in the studio. Bar out there. Yeah. It's kind of embarrassing. So this is good. This is a, a totally different interview than you're used to doing. Oh, yeah. Totally. This is a really fancy stage, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> it's intimidating, actually. To yeah. be here yes, right now. I can understand so. that. Yeah. <sighs> That's always been my problem, I think, is being intimidating. Now, you are a columnist or a staff writer? What's the difference at Fast Company? I am a senior writer. Oh, excuse they me. Killed, they killed my column. That's why. Oh, yeah. nice, Katie. Well, let's start out with something really <laughs> comfortable. No, it's good. It's good. It's um, all good. And you just got something very exciting off the ground. I thought we'd start with that because you have a, a new project coming up. Oh, God, am I supposed to talk about that? Is yeah. that okay? Okay, sure. Um, I like to dig deep. Yeah. I'm, well, I'm working on a book proposal. It's just a proposal. I but it's agent. based on this call. You have an it's, agent. And something. it's based on a story that I had in Fast Company that came out in February called The Four-Year Career. And the whole idea there is the Bureau of Labor Statistics says that 
the average person's been in their job for 4.4 years and that is not changing. You will never have a lifetime job. You will never be in a job for 15 years or 20 years. Um, and basically this is a new way of careers. But is that because like for me, by the time I finally get that job, it's going to be too late? Like, are they going to be like, I'm sorry, you're 77 and <laughs> well, we can maybe it's just, keep you for it's a little bit. Just a way of talking about this new reality, right? It's like, we think that we're all working to get someplace and then we'll get to that place and we'll rest. But the reality is we're, we're going to continue to doing, to do that throughout our careers. And then there's going to be second careers and third careers. And you have to just get really good at mastering the transitions. And so the people that look like, like you, Katie, you're mm -hmm. juggling so many different things. Not that, that many, but yeah, keep going. But that's actually, <laughs> that's actually the, the successful strategy because you need to have a lot of irons in the fire and everybody in some ways, I think needs to be thinking like a creative person or like an artist. Can I take you home for Passover? My parents would love to hear it this <laughs> That's way. the hope is that people will read this book and they'll say, I'm not crazy. I'm not alone. Look, mom, look, dad. I don't have to go to grad school again. Like I can actually do this. And this is actually the way to do it. So let's, let's phase into talking about that because you really um, have done so much for education and, and I want to talk and about telling people not to go to grad school. That's been my major contribution. And I want to, I want to hear about that because you went to Yale undergrad. Yes. And so I, I was curious because you are such an advocate and wrote, first of all, I think we have to also talk about ebooks because I feel yeah. like, don't you want the normal cover? Yes. Like, is this really how you want no. your phenomenal book? And I've it's read- It's annoying. Yeah, yeah. I think I'm- But if you go online, you can go search. You can search learningfreedominetheweb.org or you can search edupunksguide.org and there they are. So anyone can look, they can look at them on their phones. But what if they can't afford a phone because they didn't go to graduate school? Oh, Awkward. It'll be awkward. Okay, but this was this was um, funded by the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, and I wanted you to talk a little bit about this in all seriousness because it, it was a really interesting guide to sure. creating your own education based on what you actually want. So I did this book, DIYU, came out in 2010, and it was all about the future of higher ed, and Gates Foundation said, this is great. We want you to take it and sort of write a manual for people who are experiencing this world. So there's all these free resources out there. You know, there's TED Talks, there's... Uh, MIT OpenCourseWare, there's Khan Academy. And the question is, how do you assemble those resources into, say, you know, your own learning path or your own learning journey? And you divided it into three different types of folks, right? You had people who hadn't gone to school yet. You had people who were in the uh, mid-career maybe in switching. Yeah. And then the others who are just um, edifying themselves. You know, the people go to the 92nd Street. Why? For another lecture yeah, yeah, on yeah. Laotian <laughs> boat making and how it affects Jews. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think that everybody's a learner, you know, and everybody's a perpetual learner. The the killer app to this kind of stuff, of course, is that we have, you know, only 25% of people get a bachelor's degree and there's all these jobs going begging and people don't have the money to get a, an education. It wouldn't be great if you could get it all for free on the internet. Now, it's not all that easy, but we're very close. Like, the gaps are much smaller than they used to be, I think, a few, a few between, years ago. Between the educated and the, and the well, uh, barely educated and the non-educated or, or I mean, there's a lot, which you, gaps? I think that, you know, the idea that college has to cost $10,000, $12,000 a year when there's all these materials free online and you can, you can, you know, I talk to people, for example, okay, I talk to this kid. He's from Brazil, so he doesn't have his um, immigration stuff sorted out, so he can't get student loans. So he's paying for community college out of pocket, but what he started to do was... Can I give him my student loans? Or no? Yeah, right. No. <laughs> um, he started to uh, go online and watch this Harvard professor who was teaching... Uh, this com computer science course, and it was the same course he was taking from a guy at his community college, wow. and 
he liked the the Harvard professor's course much better, and he actually ended up going up to Harvard on the bus and taking the course, auditing the course, sitting in the back of the course. And so because of these videos, you know, all of a sudden the doors of that campus are open. Wait, I'm confused. He watched yeah. the videos or he went to he Harvard? He started watching the videos. Okay. Well, he I'm got to know the guy. He's like following along. No, I was being unclear. Okay. He's following along with the problem sets and he's learning. And then he sent, reaches out, sends an email to the guy and says, hey, you know, I, I have a question about this and this. And he's very informed. And the guy says, hey, come, come up to Cambridge, you know, sit in. Fabulous. Okay. All right. So that is a, a good example. And I'm glad you brought up Harvard because I was so inspired by you saying that people don't need to go to Harvard that I got this t-shirt for you. Oh, God. <laughs> I thought you can either wear this because you went to Yale or you can wear this because you're advocating for people not to H-A-V-E. rack this up is, dead. You're exposing my secret agenda here, you know, Katie. <laughs> Arthur and I both were Yale too. I heard know? you guys You guys were roommates. And yeah. You guys went to um, fencing and modern dance class together. Is Correct. that not true? I I'm adding. I may be adding. I may be adding. It was a good time. Yeah, so, so our hidden, my hidden agenda then is to undermine Harvard okay. in everything that I do. Well, no, I was curious because I, I agree that student loan debt is absurd, but I also feel like for those of us who didn't get to go to an Ivy League school, it's also very hard to break in. And in my field, if I wanted to write fart jokes on a television show, if I went to Harvard, I, would, uh, I feel I would already have a job. <laughs> Writing those, uh, totally. and that is actually yeah. genuinely true in comedy yeah. writing. <laughs> That's like absurd. But you know, networks and exclusivity and who you know are always going to be important. Okay. The internet doesn't automatically remove all of those barriers, but what it does do, I think, is it 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 opens up ways for different kinds of talent to be recognized in different kinds of ways. I mean, yeah, it's really nice if you were Hasty Pudding or whatever the fuck that they do at Harvard, but you can also have a funny blog or a Tumblr, right? Right. Or even a Twitter feed, and you can get. And now there's podcasting. There's other ways to get up. Podcasting? Yeah. I think that's a great time to thank our uh, sponsor. <laughs> Audible.com. Audiblepodcast.com. If you go to audiblepodcast.com slash employee, you too don't have to go to Harvard. Um, and you can also download a free book. Um, any voiceover agents out there who are just inspired by this and excited and want their products or want to help other people sell products... Go to katielazarus.com. Go to katielazarus.com. Or, yeah, thank you. Thank, that was such a nice plug. See how networks work like that? That was networking in action. Um, and, and if any other, uh, you know, voiceover agents that don't want a woman, <laughs> they can go to iamchrissullivan.com. Okay, and, and have you. But you could also play. We don't have Arthur. to be Arthur, you're limited turn. by gender. I'm good, thanks. Oh, no. <laughs> Arthur has a voiceover agent. So oh, okay. Okay, good. Um, because he went to Yale. And that's where it goes back to, I think. <laughs> now, you also do work for, you, you, you worked with Mozilla. I wanted to hear a little bit about that um, for those of you who are still on AOL. Um, <laughs> Mozilla is a search engine, um, and it postures itself, I think, to be more democratic uh, than Google. Well, they're a nonprofit, mm -hmm. and why Firefox, their search engine, is, you know, competitive for the best, most used search engine in the in the world. Um, and it's a totally nonprofit open source project where 80,000, I think, developers collaborate on it from all over the world. And so they kind of, they're really invested in making the web non-commercial and they say making things awesome. It's and awesome. so... It is awesome. It's totally, I mean, it's awesome yeah. because it proves a point. Now, it's not easy to do that, but it proves a point about how collaborative work can work and open source can work. And they're very interested in how those principles apply to education and learning, particularly learning, you know, not just education, which makes us think about 
chalkboard in schools, but learning, which everybody does every day, and the tools of that are in your hands. And that's right. what, that's why Mozilla and I, we did this book together on learning freedom in the web. That one we have right here too. Do you see, I keep them in file folders. This is excellent. People will just look for the green file folder. And they'll find it. In, they can find it, yeah. But they, they, they really are great. I did um, get to read them all, and I did print them out at my temp job. That's amazing. Um, so that was nice. Yeah, so that. that's just a snapshot of the open learning community, and it's an international group, community of people that just want to share open learning resources and ways to kind of democratize a classroom and lots of stuff like that. And part of the reason I was asking you is because um, there is a fine line between advocacy and journalism yes. when you're a really good journalist. And you certainly know education very well. And um, I wanted to ask you, like, where does that line fall for you? We've had something in the storytelling community with Mike Daisy of like, where does the line fall between honesty and, well, that's pretty black and white, that line. Um, but um, for, for in journalism, in, in, in all genuine seriousness, you know, where, where do you draw that? Because you have to draw that for yourself now. There's not really a, a code that says this is how one has to conduct himself or herself or itself or oneself or genderqueer or queer positive self. Yeah. In journalism. Totally. Yeah. I mean, you know, being transparent is great. Being upfront about who's funding your work, I think, um, is really important. Personally, like, there's things, you know, I won't take advertising on my blog and I won't hmm. do work directly that to benefit for-profit startups where people are like, you know, sometimes calling me up and asking me for advice or information and I have to kind of figure out for myself, you know, I can't really talk to you and help you unless, you know, if I'm going to write about you at the same time. Mm -hmm. That's constantly having to be negotiated with Mozilla and Gates, you know, not everybody agrees with every, everything that Gates especially does in the world of education, and so or in other parts of their lives, like, pretty much like Microsoft. But yeah, yeah, there's lots of hate. There's lots of hate. Hates for the Gates. There's a lot of hate for the Gates. But but, but they also fund most of the you know healthcare programming across the world at the same time, right? And they, I think you know the stuff they do in, in education is double edged. I think that their post secondary programs, specifically that I was, my work was a part of. You know, I would defend that. I think that they're talking about like lots of pathways to success and. You know, and I also kind of, I mean, I answered this question and I was like, look, I don't agree with every book that Random House publishes. Mm -hmm. If I publish a book, then Random House pays me. It doesn't mean that I agree with Random House, but I've got to fund, you know, my work has to be funded somehow. Either, either I sell it to people and the Gates book was free. So if it's going to be free, then somebody has to pay for it. Oh, so that's great. So Gates pays you. Now, do you live grant to grant, article to article? I mean, you know, I... Fast Company pays me a salary, which is amazing. That's um, great. And really unusual in this day and age. Um, is that is that unusual? I don't know. Staff writer. I mean, actually, I'll tell you, because I was hired five years ago, and I'm the last writer that they hired, and I'm sure I'm going to be the last writer that they ever hire. <laughs> really? Because it's just, I mean, it's not. that's not where the industry's going. You know, people have to have lots of different skills. They have to be able to edit and do stuff on the web, and I feel like I got in. I mean, I'm building those skills, but I got in. I'm learning about Excel. Yeah, God, I, I think my, if I could, my, my whole career has just been about not having to learn Excel. Yes. Just veering way. away from it. My whole non-career has been about not learning Excel. Yeah. Maybe this is something we should face up to. <laughs> I agree. I mean, there is a sense of, of, I thought it was okay to be a thinker and a learner and have an artsy fartsy education and be an artist. Um, and then I realized you had to pay for food at Yado. And if you get knocked up, you still have to pay for that too. Um, <laughs> So, no, that didn't happen. <laughs> I didn't get accepted. Um, <laughs> kidding. Um, in, in all honesty, you, you 
I don't know why I added the in all honesty as if there wasn't going to be an honest answer. Um, you had mentioned, especially since you thoughtfully brought this up with me, you had mentioned that uh, speaking fees uh, also pay you and sometimes pay you better than writing. They do. Yeah, they have for the last few years. Um, and it's weird. I mean, when you put up that Bristol Palin thing, I was feeling a little bit, because it is kind of a crazy racket, right? Like, why do people pay for you to come and be somewhere? Why? Because it's so exciting, right? To come to a live event. I think there is nothing and like see live people, events. Yeah. So that's why we do this live. Yeah. And then we do the podcast so that people who can't be here can get it. Um, but but that is absolutely right. There's nothing better than, I feel like the conversation goes in different ways. You're part of it. You know if I was being awkward or weird and made the guest uncomfortable and that's why they couldn't be as thoughtful as they'd like to be because you were here to witness that. Awkward. No, but it's just, you know, it's fun because as a writer, like you, you have to figure out different ways to translate what you do and tell stories. And, you know, the, the story that I tell out in front on the stage is very different from, you know, it's, it's a refined kind of version of what I do in writing where I'm asking We, we get questions. the refined version. We don't get the, the <laughs> spontaneous well, one when you're like, I mean, and this then is just, this is just, I told David Remnick. No, we no. don't get that. No, I've never okay. talked to David Remnick. <laughs> I've never gotten to the New Yorker. Thanks for bringing that up. Sorry, sorry, yeah, sorry. That's sorry. only the holy grail for people in my profession. Thanks. Is that true? Are you kidding? Yeah. Yeah. But it seems like such a, a um, in, I mean, it seems so entitled and, and such a uh, small niche of people who may or may not have gone to Harvard. Hi, Farley, where'd you go to school? Harvard. Um, <laughs> But it, it does it does seem like these worlds are elitist. I mean, I, I think that way about the New York Times um, as well, that they're they're hard to get into. Um, you know, if you didn't get an education from an Ivy League, League <laughs> school, which is what I mean, I didn't. But I am, and I'm such an advocate for what you're saying because I think the most learning that I have gotten is from being in the real world and going and researching things or taking things a la carte. But I also know that had I, if I didn't have my degree, I don't think I would get in the door most places. You know, just to eat pizza, but I think that it's I mean, it's it's a really, really tough question. I think, you know, what is the benefit that education is delivering if the whole point of it is just to get into an elitist club and then have that mark mm -hmm. stamped on your forehead for the rest of your life? You know, that is a very old fashioned notion of what's valuable. And I just think I mean, if it takes someone who has that pedigree or that background to try to debunk it, I mean, I don't know if I'm a more of a better advocate or a worse advocate because I have that behind me. You know, if you have people well, your, your writing is very clear and thoughtful, and I mean, I think that it speaks for itself, but I was curious to ask you because there is a chicken and egg type of question there. Yeah, no, Not absolutely. Really, yeah, no, I think wrong, wrong you thing. have to answer for it no matter what, right? You yes. have to answer, in this, I think, especially in this media culture, like, you cannot divorce your work from who you are and, and where you're coming from. That was another question I wanted to ask you because you do so many things and you are very well-rounded. Do, do you just say, this is who I am? I also happen to be a mom or I happen to um, be into yoga or whatever it is else that you do and it's fine, it doesn't... I, you know, it, that goes back, to, not to plug, but it goes back to what I'm working on in my new book because I think it really is important that people own the different aspects of their personality and I think that we're always being pushed to, you know, you have to have a beat, you have to have an identity or a hook. A brand. A brand, Ugh. right. Um, but In this trans media culture. Oh, God. Yeah, but it, I think it's okay, and I actually think it's good. It's good, first of all, like, to be amateur at stuff, to be bad at stuff. Yeah. You know, like, to have areas, like, you know, motherhood is a place where I allow myself to fail. 
No. But this is a man. That was a, that was a joke. Yeah. But it was funny. I was being your wingman. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you're good. very funny. I mean. <laughs> is Anya very funny? Yes. But for example, yeah, so I don't, right, so there's things where you, you have to have a balance, and I don't know what I'm talking about anymore. That's Thanks. okay. We, we can go, you were, you, were, you, you were having, yes. you know, different identities, and I think it's great. I mean, as someone who does different things, it's exciting. I just remember going into an agent's office, and they're being like, I don't understand. You can write and do voiceovers, as if I had just said, um, I can run a triathlon while I'm revisiting the corporate tax code and rewriting it. I think that, you know, the... The age of that being like a dilettante thing yes. is, I think that's past. I think you have to be able to do yeah. lots of different things. And you have to be able to move amongst them in a graceful way that allows you to like fully inhabit each role. Now, do you make between fifteen and 30000 if you're speaking? No. Okay. No. That's just Bristol Palin. That's just Bristol Palin. Okay. Yeah. And, and how come for her? Uh, there's a weird kind of fame horishness to speaking where people were putting together an event and they just want a recognizable name. Like, I'm not at that level. People want, if people like... One day me, you can achieve Bristol Palin status. I mean, it's no, all... Don't yeah, worry. I have to really embarrass myself. But, you know, it's like, if people hire me to come speak, it's because they want someone to talk about education or economic. You know, it's a specific mm -hmm. topic that I'm going to talk about. So it's not at the same level as like, oh, we must get, you know, and like Bill Gates can get any amount of money that he wants, mm -hmm. which is ironic because he already has that much money. But... But that he can get more from other philanthropists. Yeah. Um, but he does support this action that they should give. I mean, I, I feel like no one got rich by doing something kosher. Like, all of them did. Soros. Yes. Um, he, he knocked the Asian markets. I, I mean, uh, Buffett is part of Pathways. You know, so I feel like, but they at yeah. least have done good with their money. Right. Yeah, I mean, that, I mean, that would be their argument, wouldn't it be? Well, it's very weird because we're living in this age of, you know, unbelievable concentration of wealth that has enabled this incredible flowering of philanthropy and non-governmental organizations all over the world. So it's like one kind of begets the other. Do we not want to have, you know, would it be better to have fewer very, very rich people? Probably. Yeah. yeah. Right? Um, yeah. So however much they do. Or have a money. cap. Like at some point you got to be like, okay, I've got enough. Like once I had two rooms and not just a studio, I was like, okay, I have a bedroom yes. and a bathroom that's yes. fine I can shower in the kitchenette that's you know it's funny that you say that Katie two. no it's really because I, I used to have a, I did kind of give this up but after generation debt there was a little bit of like oh you should be a personal finance and I actually had a column on Yahoo Finance which is also a phenomenal book I really do want to plug generation oh, debt um, I really loved it and it made me feel better about the fact that my financial plan is to leave my wallet out and hope that someone takes it <laughs> so that I can start all over identity-wise. Oh it's by Riverhead Books. It has, it has much better tips than that. Um, I, I, but I, it, it, it was an extraordinary book, I thought. Well, thank you. That's really nice. Um, but basically, I didn't... Giving financial advice, that was one thing where I was like, I'm not going to do that. That's not, what I, that's not my path. But It's not your living, journey. But living like, <laughs> but living below your means and being able to say this is enough, I yeah. have enough, that is the key to financial success. Um, I That's think, it. I think that that is, is good to know because it seems like I'm on that, that path. And 
Unfortunately, we can never get enough of you, so I would love to have you back on the show at another point, and we're going to have you out for the award ceremony. This has been such a treat. Please check out Anya Kamenetz. Fast Company, her articles are phenomenal, including the four-year career, which I have right here. Um, but, but check out her articles. Go to her website. She's doing phenomenal things uh, on education and finance, and I look forward to reading more very soon. Thank you so, so much, Anya. This Thanks, was a treat Kate. to have you on. That's it for this episode of Employee of the Month. I'm your host, Katie Lazarus. Thank you so much for tuning in. You can go to employeeofthemonthshow.com and that will take you to SoundCloud where you can download individual episodes or you can subscribe to the entire series for free on iTunes. Highly recommended. I want to give a very special thanks to Todd Rosenberg, Ian Mazoff, Damian Strange, Audible, and UCB Theater for making this possible and most especially to you listening. I really, really appreciate it. Um, That's it. Thanks so much. Okay, have a wonderful day. Eat lots of vegetables and make sure to get some exercise for both of us. Okay.